When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, Maureen in New Zealand, uh, good morning to you all. And uh, on behalf of Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier, experts in agriculture, of course, uh, we uh, look to entertain you this morning uh, between 9 and 12 with a show uh, which reflects uh, last night's uh, performance and last night's uh, result in the basketball. It's uh, not going to be a ticker tape parade down Queen Street for the breakers this year anyway. Um, after going down in Game 5, we'll review uh, and get some post-match thoughts from some of the key players there. Um, and we invite you to, to uh, text us as well. Double eight, double three. Your reaction to uh, the basketball would be great. Um, also, um, what about this for an idea? Sports colours uh, day at SEN and SENZ. That's what it is. How many sports jerseys do you own? What's your most precious sports jersey or piece of uh, uh, sporting memorabilia in terms of um, maybe some clothing? That would be great. Uh, outside of New Zealand support, what teams do you support and why? What is your favourite overseas team? Uh, the AFL season starts tonight. Uh, being in New Zealand, do you understand the sport? Do you have a team? Um, so uh, we'll look at um, all those issues. So, uh, yeah, what is your favourite jersey? Is it an all-black jersey? Crusaders jersey? Warriors jersey. There's so many of them around, but there's so many ver- versions of the Warriors jersey. So love to hear from you on that on double eight double three our temper bedpost text line. We'll have a multi for you slightly earlier. Uh, have a look at some uh, Champion League scores. Of course, uh, Liverpool are in action against Real Madrid. Napoli are against Frankfurt this morning. Uh, around about quarter to ten, I'm going to catch up with uh, Taylor Johnson. You hear Taylor, she's a, a rugby commentator for Sky. Uh, works um, calling the game and uh, in other areas as well. Uh, Super Rugby or Picky semi-final set for North Harbour Stadium. It's a double header this Sunday. Let's preview that with Taylor. Just after ten o'clock, big news coming out of uh, football yesterday. And that is that uh, they're looking to uh, include two new teams in the A-League, one out of Canberra and, more importantly, one out of Auckland. What does Jacob Spoonley think of that prospect? 10-15, basketball caller uh, extraordinaire Andrew Mulligan um, on uh, the reaction to the breakers last night. Not, uh, as we said, not the result we wanted, but uh, what a season it's been for them. It really has. Uh, We'll continue to get your texts uh, throughout the morning, hopefully. Uh, We'll have it in case you missed it. Uh, around about uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, Stephen McIver talking to Joel and Fletch yesterday. That'll be interesting. So uh, we'll have uh, excerpts from that. Uh, we'll head to the sports desk uh, around about 11.25 with some updates from overseas. Uh, we'll have a stump smithy as well, of course. And uh, I'd like to believe it's, uh, what, 100 bucks? Is it 100 bucks? I think it is 100 bucks today. Yes, it is. After yesterday's fantastic showing. So that'll get us uh, through towards uh, midday this morning. Busy show. Busy, busy show.
77-69. The Breakers couldn't get it done down the stretch. They had a one-point lead at uh, half-time. Uh, pretty good uh, third quarter as well because that's been one of their problem areas. Um, so at uh, the three-quarter mark, uh, the scores were tied. They just couldn't get it done in the last quarter. They went cold in their terms of their shooting, and uh, they lost the last quarter, 21-13, to eight-point margin, and that, of course, was the margin at the end of the night, 77-69. Uh, let's get into some of the highlights, shall we? We're running eight minutes late. Fans don't care. They're on their feet at Kudos Bank Arena. We're ready to go. Game five, championship series. Everything, and I mean everything, to play for. And the Alpha up court. Dow White now drives to the hoop. Oh, alley-oop. Nice work. Pardon over the top. They nearly clear the benches. Great bit of work there from the breakers. Here's Suarez. Goes, drives, and lovely layup. And that's two points. They needed that. 12-7 the scoreline. 20 points to 19. Spectacular. The alley-oop. Who's flying through the air? It's Angus Glover. Wow, that's big Brantley way downtown. From the cheap seats, gets the three. Here's Walton Jr. pulling back some of that negative differential. 25-17, the scoreline now. Here's Cooks doing it all himself. Nice work. Drove to the hoop, got the two. Over the top of Navacombi, who's dispossessed. Walton Jr. Oh! They stack other end of the court. Ownership group on their feet for the king. Isaiah Liafa pops it up, and that's nice play. Gets two points. 30. Winds the clock down. Here goes Xavier. The MVP pops it up. He got it right on half-time. History has been made. 18,124 people. An all-time attendance record in the NBL right here tonight. Here is the MVP. Oh, slams it down. Just pushing. Just working his way into the game. And now Xavier Cook starts to take control. Brown Jr. outside the three. Hunter Marks tries to go over the top. That is superb. Three point. Jordy Hunter gets the slam dunk. The bounce pass from Vasiljevic. Nice bit of play there. Walton Jr. This time Brown stopped by Galloway. Great work. Glover might have been hurt. Walton Jr. comes up court. And now he's going to bounce past. That time Galloway didn't quite have the three. Here's Quatnoy. He shot from there before. Drives to the hoop. Goes over the top and gets two. And that's what he liked. Here's McDowell White. He had a stunning first 15 minutes of the game. Here he is. Step back. Three. Wow. Drains it. Pumps his fist too. Knew it was big. 59-56. Now that was a that was a water bottle water flying bottle across the court. It's chaos here. This crowd needs to calm down. They are not happy with the officiating. And Chase Buford has just about incited a riot. Key possessions coming now. Brown Jr. Oh, lovely, lovely, oh, lovely. Wow. Bounce pass to Parter Jr. Clever held back. Then he goes again. Came off the edge of the screen. And Angus Glover slam dunks one. Did he get an assist for that? Get out of town. Now, bounce pass. Suarez had a look. Take the three. Timmy misses. Comes down to Cooks. Cooks pops it up again. Xavier wow. got it. One, two, three on the chest. And the Kings take the lead by two. History has been made tonight. And there's 18,124 here to witness it. And they're part of it. Ball in the hand of the champ.
a most emphatic way. Game five in front of a record crowd. It is a record comeback. And the stars align for the men in purple. The Kings are your champions in 2023. Oh, Smithy. <laughs> what a night it was. Well, it was, it's hard to swallow, really, but they'll look at it and review, I suppose, um, you know, over a period of time. Uh, they won the first quarter convincingly, uh, you know, out by 11. Had a poor second quarter where they gave that advantage straight back, basically, to be only one point ahead at half time. So uh, that was uh, a quarter of the match that they'll look back on with regret. And, of course, the last one as well. And, um, you know, they would just too good the Kings the numbers um, stack up pretty well for both sides not a lot between them it's just those crucial uh, that crucial cold patch I guess where they're shooting down the stretch for me Logan that uh, that cost them dearly yeah the instead of the third quarter killing them it, uh, it was the fourth quarter and like I was watching that game and I was taking notes as I do and there was that one run where, at one point, the scores were 66-59 in favour of the breakers. You blink, and all of a sudden, they're losing 73-66 with mm. uh, a minute 25 remaining in the game. It was like a yeah, a 14-point unanswered run. It was just that absolutely just sucked the life out of the breakers and it just built up the intensity you could hear it there at Kudos Bank Arena again just breaking the attendance records left, right and centre, not only was it the highest attended basketball game in Australia again after breaking uh, that record in game three it's also now the highest attended championship series in the ANBR so I mean that is just that shows the, the level of play that we saw from both the breakers and the Kings the there was a lot of intensity there, Smithy. I know we'll get to it with uh, Andrew Mulligan later in the show. But the whole thing with Chase Buford, <laughs> at some point, it was like he wanted to incite a riot at, at least twice. Once was there was a breakaway where uh, Jerry Walton Jr. had the ball and he thought, okay, here he goes. He's going to slam dunk it. Will McDowell-White is doing his best to chase after him. And I think their legs got caught. And, you know, it was like, all right, it's a foul. That That's enough. Uh, and then you could hear Chase Buford. The mics picked him up and said he tackled him from behind. I don't know if you've seen a tackle from behind before Chase Buford, but it was not that. And then at another point, uh, there was a Sydney Kings fan, I guess, uh, weren't happy with the way the game was being officiated. Of course, there was a lot of spotlight on that. Though they, they, Someone threw a water bottle on the court. Mm. Like, that's just, yeah, I mean, it got to very intense levels. It was one hell of a decider, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> can't believe we're still, I mean, I'm happy to relive it because it was, I'm still, even though the breakers lost, Smithy, I'm, ha- I'm happy I stayed up for it because that was incredible basketball. Well, we knew, we knew that uh, Buford was going to do that. We know that Buford was going to incite the referees. We knew that because he, he basically said that when he stormed out of the press conference here. Uh, he, he was pointing the finger at them for Game 5 at the end of Game 4. And so we knew that anything contentious, and he knew he had the majority of the crowd, um, massive crowd, on his back when it came to that. Um, so that's just called pressure. That's outward pressure going on officials. And we knew it was going to come. Um, and you look at to your referees and hopefully you've, you've got your three best referees um, out of the competition doing that who are able to handle that 
Um, I, I'm not sure that uh, anyone will look back on and say, um, I, I don't hear that from uh, from the, the breakers at this stage, although we're going to play some clips uh, shortly. And we, we'll begin with uh, Angus Glover uh, with his post-match thoughts. Quickly gone and stole Angus Glover um, from it. He'll be hugging everyone the whole time through this, but great that it's radio. So, Angus, game five, huge stage. You had played four amazing games up until this stage. Was NBL Grand Final MVP on your mind at all, or were you just a complete team man? Completely not. Um, I just wanted to win. and uh, uh, Chase told me to be aggressive and shoot the ball with confidence, and, um, yeah, the guys found me in the right spots. And, and yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, I'm speechless, honestly. Look, it was on my mind. It was on our mind. We discussed it. You were one of three for the Kings that I felt was, and we felt was, quite a good chance of getting it. And you showed up. You played a great game that fourth quarter. Tommy Garlett was uh, saying it looked like it had an anvil on your chest for part of that fourth quarter. What was going through your mind? What was going through your body? Uh... Uh, yeah, honestly, I don't really know. Um, heard it within the... Honestly, I think it was one of the first... Uh, I think it was the charge I took early in the game and struggled to breathe the majority of the game. And um, the amount of people I've hit the ribs since is, yeah, not good. But um, a couple of beers will do me a world of good. 100%. Illawarra Basketball Association Junior, you know I've got to get that in there. I hear that you're going to be coming down to... Hopefully to an NBL game on Saturday night. Until then... What does this mean to you? Uh, how are you going to celebrate? No, it means the world um, to do it with this group of guys. And, and I don't think I'm going to sleep for three, four days, to be honest. So I'm going to party pretty hard. I imagine they would be partying pretty hard, Smithy. Uh, Xavier Cooks, <laughs> Xavier Cooks uh, might be having a bit of a hangover as he jumps on a plane to go meet up with the Washington Wizards. I believe he is flying out today. So very tough schedule there. Because that was from the breakers side of things. I think we're going to get a little bit emotional here now, Smithy. This is uh, Modi Mayor post-match. This hurts deeply. We really, I really felt that this team could have gotten it across the line. We didn't play well enough in the last quarter in order to do that. I'm not going to run away from how much this hurts me individually and us as an organization I'm going to use this as fuel to come back better next season from you know, this game perspective it was an 18-3 run from them to end it you know if you look at it I mean, you know, or anything but is there anything that you notice that your team perhaps could have done better to get out of the we gave up some second chance points that were crucial I think we were up seven when they missed a three off the backboard Glover rebounded and dunked the ball. Got to a few good shots in the paint from the post. But this happened to us during this series where Sydney and Justin Simon kind of picked up the intensity in different spaces and our offense stagnated and struggled a little bit. A big part of it comes down to our ability to make spot threes. We shot the ball very poorly over this series. Sydney strategically close the paint with multiple players left good shooters with shots that I'm happy for them to take and we want them to shoot didn't drop um, that's just in a glance I'm sure I'll see a lot more when I go through the phone. What's the experience been coaching Will over the course of this series and the adjustments that they've gone through from going under screens and him responding to that and then you know pressing up and him and him responding to that too you know What's it been like watching his growth over the series? 
Um, like a father watching his kid, it's not really the series for me and Will. It goes three years back where he couldn't make a shot. That wasn't a layup. And we spent a whole COVID offseason shooting five, six hours a day. Both of us got tendinitis in the shoulder, me from being old and fat and rebounding and him from shooting a lot. And that was his first step, and then... That's a good coach right there, man. Thank That's you. a special coach right there, man. You, JB. I love you, too. I love you, too. So that was kind of our first step, and then it was adding his ability to finish, and the in-between, the floater, that was year two. And year three this season was about taking a step forward as an individual, taking responsibility. We saw him take another step forward, and now step four is consistency. That I'm really looking forward to us taking this step together as well, where he impacts the game all the time in every game. Um, it's a normal progression. This is not criticism. Don't pick this the wrong way. This is a normal progression for a young player. And the next step is doing it every game, and I'm very excited to take that next step together. How does that feel, knowing your first, your first year as a head coach, you guys to the league, and they have that sort of bind and that sort of appreciation to you? How does it feel, knowing that you have those sorts of guys there, and you made that impact on them? It's important that both feelings live together at the same time. Yeah, this pain that I feel now from losing, which we need as perspective and fuel to keep improving, and at the same time knowing what are the things we did well. There's a lot of things that we did the right way that led us to being game five against the defending champions with a chance to win. So for us to analyze the year... What's up, kiddo? For us to analyze the season properly, it's important to differentiate between what we did right and what we did wrong and what are the areas where we need to maintain and what are the things that we need to improve. And one of the things we did great is putting in great people in this building. And we were able to create an environment where everybody feels appreciated and everybody feels a part of. And that unity as a team carried us through a lot of challenges over the season. And it's definitely something that I take pride in. But that's it. Well, uh, not too many more emotive or emotional press conferences uh, than that one there from uh, Modume. Or already, though, uh, the theme of that is uh, looking forward to next season. I mean, he, he is just a truly professional coach. Yes, he'll reflect on that, but uh, he's going to go through the pain and look at those tapes again and uh, build his squad again for next year. But uh, he's special. He's absolutely special. And um, uh, I, whilst I'd have loved to have heard another side of his emotions this morning, <laughs> um, for me, Logan, anyway, it, it sort of sums up the man. And in um, Modi, you trust when you hear that kind of that caring, don't you? Yeah, I've I've said this before throughout the season, Smithy. You know, I've I've been on this bandwagon bandwagon for a while now. He just seems like that kind of coach that you'd want to run through a brick wall for just how much he cares about his players, how much he cares about this team, and how much he cares about the fact, even though he's not a New Zealander, he's an, he's, he's an Israeli, he cares about representing New Zealand and what this team means, not just to Auckland, but to mm-hmm. basketball in New Zealand in general. He understands how special this team is to a lot of people, and he did have a very special, special message uh, for the fans back home. 
Looking back on the season, how does this compare to what happened last season? One of the things I said at the beginning of this year is that everybody was talking about how great it is that we're back home and I didn't feel it was cause for celebration. I, the sense that it gave me was a sense of responsibility. We wanted this team to play in a way, to conduct itself in a way that our fan base, Kiwis, feel proud of. It resonates with them. They want to be part of it. And over the last month, there were a few instances where it was really clear that we achieved that goal. I'm very proud of it. It's on us to do it again, and hopefully we settle out from game one. Most of your fans have been watching the game uh, home in New Zealand. Do you have a message to him tonight? Like always, I hope you saw a team that left everything it had on the floor. I'm looking forward to all you buying membership tickets and hope we sell out game one next year. I love his motive there, Smithy. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he's a smart man. He's a very smart man. Um, but always looking forward, not uh, dwelling too much on the past, always looking forward. And that, that was the theme throughout, really, uh, from my point of view. What did uh, Jarrett Brantley do at, at the end? <laughs> yeah, so you heard that in the in the previous clip. He crashed the press conference, just again, showing how much love his, the players have for him and how much they responded to the way he coached them. I, I believe this was coming through already when he was the assistant uh, under Dan Shamir. He's kind of the players' coach. He he looks after them. He takes care of them, and he he's really responsible for a lot of their development. And you could hear that also in the way he talked about Will McDowell White. Um, it was almost like yeah, like a father son kind of thing. Um, you know, really special. And now the big question mark is: Will Will McDowell White stay with the Breakers next season? Will he resign with them? Or is there any truth to the kind of rumours that he might go to Perth or he might go to Adelaide or the Brisbane Bullets? There's those question marks around uh, the Aussie point guard there. But during the game yesterday, Smithy, during one of the timeouts, uh, the ESPN crew hopped into the owner's box, had a little chat with uh, Matt Walsh, and he made it pretty clear that he's going to do what he can to bring him back. So I'm already the season's over. I'm already looking forward to the next one. <laughs> Yep, me too. I absolutely am. So that was a, a quick review um, in terms of uh, some of the audio coming out of uh, last night and that post-match uh, reaction. And I think uh, we'll, we'll further investigate that performance and the season with Andrew Mulligan. Uh, but later on in the morning, um, Mal will come to us and uh, we'll uh, just break it down a little bit further in terms of the numbers and exactly where he felt uh, it all went wrong, but uh, quite clearly um, it was a fighting performance from the Breakers and uh, as Modi Mayor has said, uh, they left everything out on the court. Nothing, nothing behind. 9.25 here on SENZ. Double eight, double three is uh, the text number and that is, uh, of course, on the Temper Bedpost uh, text machine. Uh, and listen, uh, your reactions to uh, the Breakers. Um, it was the biggest event in town, well, in Sydney town uh, last night, but the biggest event uh, in terms of New Zealand sport uh, leading into another busy weekend coming up starting uh, tomorrow night. But uh, to be all honest, what did you think of the Breakers, their season, uh, their coach? Uh, overall, basketball fans, uh, we'd love to hear your reaction on double eight, double three. Also, um, how many sports jerseys do you own? If you're a collector, what's your favourite one? Is it a Warriors jersey? Um, uh, is it an international rugby jersey? Is it perhaps uh, a little uh, piece of cricket clothing? 
uh, something of uh, that nature, we'd love to hear that as well. Double eight double three is the number. Time for the news. You got to know when the whole Know when the fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, yesterday's multi uh, went uh, no good because, uh, of course, uh, the breakers. Uh, the breakers, uh, we had a five and a half point start as well. Well, they were beaten by eight, beaten by eight. So uh, missed out by two and a half points there. Uh, today, we're going for the Lakers to beat the Houston Rockets at $1.60. Uh, and Associate Nation Cricket, Nepal, to beat the UAE. UAE appear to be New Zealand's second favourite cricket team. Uh, well, according to New Zealand Cricket anyway, we're uh, going to the UAE uh, for some reason. Um, don't quite know why, but um, we are going to the UAE at some stage uh, to go and play some cricket there as a nation. Uh, it's, uh, so we'll take the, the Nepal to beat the UAE uh, at a dollar sixty-one, and Manchester United to beat Betis. That's a game that uh, will be played tomorrow morning. And Manchester United uh, to win that are a dollar ninety-one. We'll take that. So the Lakers into Nepal into Manchester United will multi out to four dollars ninety-two. Right, there's uh, football going on at the moment too. Um, there's uh, some interesting games in the Premier League um, of interest. Uh, Brighton are leading Crystal Palace at this stage 1-0. And Southampton, who were uh, part of our stump smithy yesterday as the bottom team in the EPL, well, it's not getting any better for them at the moment because they're 1-0 down to Brentford. Southampton are at home. Brentford 1-0 up there. Um, and in the Champions League matches, uh, Napoli who were also part of the quiz yesterday, nil all at the moment with uh, Frankfurt and Real Madrid and Liverpool after 35 minutes are also nil all. So uh, they are the key scores um, in terms of football going on this morning. We're going to talk to uh, Taylor Johnson very shortly. Uh, Taylor, of course, uh, rugby commentator extraordinaire, well-travelled woman too. And uh, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, the Super Rugby or Picky semi-finals coming up this Sunday at North Harbour Stadium. It's a, a double header um, and a very interesting one as well, I believe. Anyway, uh, we've got uh, the Matatu up against uh, the Blues women. Uh, that's at 3.15. And the uh, playing through champions, the Chief Manawa, who are unbeaten again this year, uh, they face the Hurricanes poor, uh, at uh, 6.05 on Sunday. That's the second part of the double header. So uh, we shall be talking to uh, Taylor very shortly. A couple of texts come in. Dan has said, uh, Smithy, how disappointing that final was last night. The Breakers' lack of composure came back to bite them. 14-3 in the last seven. That was the game. They had more bullets. It's the one that got away. Uh, Sean echoes those thoughts. Morning, boys. It was the one that got away for sure. Mikey's come in with his uh, favourite um, jersey, and that is a uh, the Ireland rugby jersey that he won in a bet with his great Irish mate while overseas at Lansdowne Road in 2001. Incidentally, that was Richie's debut test. Wow. I put my all-black jersey um, against his, which was the classic Steinlager white collar shirt. Great times, and if Ireland win the World Cup, I will wear it with pride. My family are of Irish descent. So that's an easy decision. That's uh, from Mikey G. Um, yes, and also one from Richard. I haven't been to a Breakers game yet, but have been wanting to. After listening to the coach, I'll make a point of going to a game or two next season. Top bloke that he is, Richard. You're so right. He does sound like it. 9.36 here on SCNZ. Uh, well, I think we'll take a short break, and uh, we won't be too far away from Taylor. Taylor. 
brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 9.42 here on SENZ. Uh, Taylor Johnson not too far away uh, to talk about uh, Super Rugby or Picky, uh, Logan. Yeah, and it's crazy to me, Smithy, that we're already up to the semifinals. And this is following on from the incredible Rugby World Cup that we had here in New Zealand last year. Black Ferns, of course, winning it. Huge moment for women's rugby, women's sport in this country. And the whole idea of Opiki was to build on that. And we have a five-week competition again. We've already seen uh, Honey Hitamis Smiler come out criticising it, saying it hasn't been long enough and it it hasn't done enough to push the game further as uh, people probably would have wanted. But then uh, uh, New Zealand Rugby came out in response to that and said that this five-week season was decided and planned ahead before the World Cup had even happened. And I get that because you do have to plan ahead, but is there no leeway here, Smithy? Like... If we're waiting until next year to expand things, does that not feel like we're leaving things a bit late? Yeah, it's an interesting one, and uh, I echo the thoughts, actually. Um, I was going to ask Taylor about it, and I'm pretty sure she'll agree, too, that it's way too short. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, how do you develop a team um, in that space of time? H- how do you make um, combinations work in that space of time? Uh, how do you, you, know, how, how do you um, how do you build a feeling, a pride, etc., in such a short season? So I just, I kind of sense it's, uh, it's not right. Uh, it simply isn't right. But um, they'll, ex- they'll look to expand it. I think, uh, I think Honey was also intimating at one point, perhaps, uh, an extended competition with maybe a, a team or two from Australia, maybe uh, New South Wales and Queensland. Uh, that would have been cool as well. So uh, if that was to be the case. Um, I, I'd fully endorse that as well. What it comes down to, of course, is uh, cost. Uh, it comes down to support from the the union, uh, the rugby union as such, but uh, quite frankly, uh, what they've got at the moment doesn't justify what uh, the Black Ferns, I think, uh, threw back at New Zealand rugby and, of course, the rugby public uh, at the end of last year when they won the Women's World Cup. But someone who's much, much better qualified to talk about that is uh, Taylor Johnson, of course. Uh, Taylor uh, from Sky Television's commentary team um, and, of course, a former Samoan international herself and now enjoying married life. Taylor Johnson, uh, good morning to you. Morning, Ian. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. Gee, you're doing a bit of travelling, aren't you? I study you a wee bit on, um, on social media. You've been around the world about ten times. <laughs> I've got to do something in the off season because once we're in rugby season, it's all go. <laughs> well, it, it is all go, Taylor. But it's it, it's from our point of view, we were just talking about it, Logan and I. It's too short. It's, I mean, we're here. We are. We've just really oh, started to ide- identify the teams, identify the players, get the combos going, mm-hmm. uh, and it's damn near mm-hmm. over. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with you. Um, and yeah, off the back of what you were saying, after the Black Ferns um, success, you just expected a, a, like a longer competition or even an amalgamation of the Super W and um, Super Rugby Opiki. But you do have that Trans Tasman comp, and I hope that is on the cards in the future. But you're so right, like you know, you play each other once, um, and then 
and you go, you know, everyone makes the semi-final and then you have the final. So, um, and, and the, the sad thing is, is that each week every team has got better and better and I feel like we're just mm. kind of, um, you know, seeing what can be, but we're, we're at the end of the season already. So I, I think I'd love to see it extended, but um, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> It is what it is, so we'll talk about what it is, and that is, of course, what's coming up at North Harbour Stadium at the weekend. It's a, it's a really good doubleheader. Uh, first of all, uh, Matatu uh, against the Blues women. Uh, Matatu winning this uh, first round uh, matchup this season, 33-31, a cliffhanger there. Oh, that was such a brilliant game. I was, I was lucky enough to be down in Dunedin calling that one. And then Matatu, you know, very team last year who didn't win a single game. This year, you know, they they won their first one over the Blues. They probably should have won the second over the um, Poa, but they decided not to go for a kick right in front with a minute to go. Um, and then they, you know, were the closest team um, to the Chiefs Manawa by far this season. So, look, Matatu are coming, are going from strength to strength at the moment. I think the Blues women, um, you know, on paper, they actually have the strongest team. They just haven't really um, fired, you know. I think it's just the connections. Like individually, they're all brilliant, but they're just not getting the connections right like those other teams on the field. So I think that's going to go right down to the wire like it did in round one. Um, but I think I'm going to put my money on uh, the Blues just because it is a home game for them being at North Albert Stadium. Also, the fact, of course, they come off an encouraging performance against the Power, as you said last week. Three late tries and a big comeback. Oh, that's huge for their confidence, you know. Um, there's so many standouts in that Blues team. Jamie Colossi, one of them, you know, this is her first year playing in OPEC, and she's carving up. She's leading half of the women's stats at the moment for someone who's just recently picked up rugby as well. Um, they've also got some of the black friends like Liana Mikaeli too, who's, who's been instrumental for them, who has the most carries in the club. Um, and has just been outstanding. So I think it's going to be really good. Um, but the Blues, yeah, they're starting to come together. And that's what I mean about the season being too short because they started slow and now they've kind of just found their straps. But the season's about to end. So it's really unfortunate for them. Well, Chiefs Manawa have uh, again been dominant, uh, although the gaps uh, appear to be closing. When I, when I saw the first couple of results, I thought, here we go, this is just going to be um, a, a walkover for them. But uh, then uh, they were seriously threatened last weekend, uh, and they're up against uh, the Hurricanes. Pool. They'd be massive favourites going into this, I would imagine. Uh, they won the first game 53-21. Yeah, I mean... The Chiefs Manawa have never, ever, ever lost a game. You know, I know it's only um, the third year that they've played because obviously they played the exhibition match against the Blues um, a couple of years ago. But they are just such an incredibly strong team. Um, and the thing is, is that a lot of people thought, oh, this wouldn't be the year that they'd win it because they lost so many players. And then they've just come back better than what they were. Um, but they are the hot favourites. I think you've got to look at their forward pack. I mean... It's the best forward back in the competition. The, the amount of go for they get, the domination at scrum time. Um, but even equally, their backs have just been really good too, particularly Jessica Willison coming out from um, the New Zealand Sevens program. And she's just slid into the scenes um, so easily and just makes it look like she's got so much time on her hands. But interestingly, the Hurricanes Cola, um, they make about 300 metres um, more than any other team when it comes to the contact zone. So they've got such a strong team when it comes to ball carries and it's really hard for them to bring them down. Um, 
But again, they just haven't really been able to score as many tries and get those connections right. And I think if the season had been a bit longer, probably would have seen a bit more improvement from the power. But I think don't count them out. You know, they've got some awesome players like Aisha Lekiyeng. You know, she's a pocket rocket on that wing, as well as Tona Nanwu. So I think although the Chiefs Manawa are very much favourites, um, don't be surprised if the power do pit them sometimes. People raving about uh, the performance of uh, Hazel too, but uh, putting pressure on uh, perhaps the incumbent, Ruahe de Mont, at some stage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough to play with Hazel at Counties, um, and she is such a cool, calm, collected performer. Like, you're right. The use of her boot for this Manawa team, like, you know, the back line is only ever as good as your first five, the person who's, you know, commanding that team and putting everyone in the right spaces. And she's definitely knocking on that door. Obviously, she was already part of the back spin, but very much coming off the bench in the last couple of minutes and things like that. But man, she has been outstanding, and I can definitely understand all the rave um, behind her. I would be um, interested to get your thoughts on just the overall uh, standard um, of the competition this year compared to last. I know it's such a short uh, sample size to do that. I mean, I'll, I'll, you, you do your stats, you, you, you know your numbers. 407 points have been scored in the competitions. There's been some very high scoring games. Uh, Chiefs Manawa are averaging 50 points per game. So what are we, uh, are we looking at uh, some serious work having to be done on defences here? I think it's it's the same across the men's and the women's game. You look at some of those Super Rugby Pacific scores and you're like, what is going on here? And I think it's because of all the rule changes, they're more so promoting attack and then the poor defence coaches are thinking, what am I going to do here? You know, especially around the halfbacks not being able to go past the scrum and um, the scrum half and things like that, you know, not following the ball. Um, and even just the quickness around the breakdown, there's a lot of stuff fostering attack, but not a whole lot um, promoting defence. So I feel sorry for all those defensive coaches out there. But um, I just think because it's been played at such a frenetic pace than what it used to be, particularly in the women's game, like the school level is so much higher when you compare year on year. It's because you know, young girls are picking up rugby earlier. We've got so many teenagers playing in Opiki. Um and they deserve to be there. And they've just been playing since they were young with the boys now. It's not, you know, girl, um, girls aren't picking up a rugby ball once they finish school. They're actually, you know, picking it up at the same time as young boys and getting those skills um, honed in. And I also just think um, so many people were vying for those black fern spots um, and Opiki spots that they put a whole lot more into their pre-season training and wanting to get selected. So I think, like, the skill level has been really good this season. Um, the accuracy as well on a lot of the kicking, the passing. Um, so I think it'll just get better and better next year as well. But you're right, it's been tri-scoring fiesta, not only in Super Rugby Opiki, but in Pacific as well. So in terms of uh, what uh, women's rugby were hoping to get out of this following into after the, the Rugby World Cup, uh, do, you think it's, um, do you think it's been picked up uh, well enough to support what, what happened there or do you think they've lost the ball a wee bit? I mean, what, from your point of view, you work in the media, you work at the games, what about the level of support, the level of interest uh, following on? Yeah, like I, I think... I think it was probably justified to have a longer tournament and play each other twice like they do in Super W in the Australian competition. Um, and, I mean, the crowds have been good from the games that I have been to, um, particularly with the standalone games. Like, I went to the Manawa game on Saturday, which was a standalone game. They didn't doubleheader it with the Chiefs on Friday. And it was still a really cool crowd. And um, one thing I do notice is that it's not just the all-female crowd. Um, I would say that 
the men in the stands still dominate um, over the women. Um, it was really cool to see like father and son duos there just going down to watch the game. Um, yeah, I think, you know, hopefully this World 15 definitely goes ahead um, and we see, you know, some more internationals for the Black Ferns. Um, you know, in the format. Hopefully it's going to be here in New Zealand. So, yeah, should, should be good. Okay, Taylor, uh, thank you very much. I uh, look forward to um, your calls uh, at the weekend. Look forward to uh, the two semi-finals. It's uh, Matatu and the Blues woman, Chiefs Manawa and Hurricanes Poa. Have a terrific day, Taylor. Thanks for your time. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We have got Jacob Splunley coming uh, with us very shortly. Of course, a football analyst for Sky Sport, former All-Whites goalkeeper and a man with a vested interest, I would imagine, in the possibility of another A-League team being based in New Zealand, uh, primarily Auckland, of course, uh, one in Canberra too. So we'll have Jacob Splunley very shortly on that. Uh, Andrew Mulligan, of course, who calls uh, All-Breakers games when they're in New Zealand. Um, and uh, he'll have views, uh, of course, on the last night's uh, result and uh, the season in general from uh, the breakers. Absolutely outstanding, but for the last hurdle. Uh, so those two gentlemen after the break, your texts, keep them coming in, uh, reflections on the breakers and your favourite jerseys, etc. Uh, we'll read them out uh, just after 10.30 this morning. Uh, coming up now, though, it's the news with Aroha. experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, football fans around Auckland rejoiced yesterday with news that the A-League is looking to expand as early as the 2024-25 season with both Auckland and Canberra in their sights. A-League football is already well established, of course, in this country with the Wellington Phoenix enjoying a strong season too in their return home after a couple of tough years based in Australia. Fans in Auckland showed their support when the Knicks play at Eden Park, but can the country's largest city sustain another team in a Trans-Tasman competition? Well, to discuss that now is uh, Sky Sports football analyst and former All-Whites goalkeeper Jacob Spoonley. Uh, Jacob, uh, you might have heard rumblings about this before Danny Townsend officially announced it yesterday. Uh, what do you make of the possibility? Well, look, Smitty, it's wonderful we're talking about A-League football and the expansion of that in New Zealand. And Auckland has been on the radar of APL for some time. As Danny alluded to, he believes that the A in APL stands for Australasia, not Australia. And Auckland represents the largest market outside the current catchment of the league. So it is a very exciting proposition. Um, I think we've had history in this country, um, in Auckland in particular. Um, and it hasn't always succeeded in Auckland, so we need to be mindful of that. What I'd like to say um, at the opening of this discussion, though, Smitty, is let's acknowledge the hard work of David Dome and Sean Gill um, and Ufu Tale more recently and Nelly Lawrence and then also the investment of Rob Morrison because without the Phoenix showing that this country can support professional football, we wouldn't be talking about two franchises. You're right. You're absolutely right, and that should not be forgotten. Um, and the Phoenix are there for the long haul. We know that. Um, so um, we need to find, uh, by the look of it, around about 25 million bucks minimum 
uh, to get involved here. Are you confident they can come up with that within the Auckland area? What have you got down the back of the couch, Smitty? Not that much. Not that much. (laughs) Uh, Look, Danny Townsend is a really shrewd operator. For those that don't know him, he's got a background in professional football. He was a teammate of Lucas Neal, the Socceroo, uh, at the Northern Spirit. He then went and worked for the New South Wales Racing Board and I believe is still a part owner of the Sydney King to obviously beat the breakers last night. So he not only knows sport, but he knows how to maximise um, the commercial assets that it does have and exploit those to the fullest extent. He would not have made the statement without being confident of two things. And these are two big hurdles that needed that need to be overcome before this team kicks a ball. First off, he's going to need regulatory sign-off. And he will have been doing his groundwork and ensuring that he's got his allies because he'll need to get the approval of FIFA, the Asian Football Confederation and the Oceania Football Confederation. Now, that will require um, collaboration with New Zealand Football, Football Australia, um, and then also some political allies within both of the confederations. The second thing, to your point, is that he's going to need to have comfort um, in making the statement that there are people out there that do have deep enough pockets to give this the initial capital investment and to meet the proposed or the, the discussed $20 million licensing fee, which is in line with what MacArthur and Western United paid a couple of years ago. And then also the ongoing costs associated with not only having a football team which participates in a league, but this team will need to be successful because there will be those in Australia that will raise eyebrows if this team sits down the bottom third of the table. And... I think what will happen is we won't see what I'm referring to as a hero owner, someone that has enough money to fund this themselves and has enough passion um, to put that money into football. I think we'll see a consortium, and the Wellnex Group provides a template for that. Now, a consortium does two things. It amounts to a diversification um, which mitigates risk, so you are protecting yourself against um, anyone losing interest and also that they potentially <laughs> might suffer Um, some financial losses, which means they're not able to fund the football club. It also means that you can arrange different skill sets. So each investor will bring a different skill set to the table. And if you can marry up um, those skill sets, I think you have a greater ceiling and you can amplify the team's success off the field to ensure they have a foundation to achieve on the field. I've got a couple of... um well, several questions, but I, I realise the time's a, l- a little bit short. Uh, the obvious one for me, infrastructure, uh, outside of money. Say we get the money, infrastructure, ground, training facilities, those things. I'll keep it really punchy, Smithy. My take on this is that you'll need to base it out of one of the stadiums in Auckland at the moment. North Harbour, I don't think, is appropriate. It's too far north. Eden Park, it doesn't quite work. It's not a rectangular ground, which is what you need. So Mount Smart seems to be the obvious solution. However... This franchise will have two teams, and adding those two teams to the Auckland footballing, uh, to the Auckland sporting landscape, I think you open up the discussion around not necessarily a 60,000-seater, but potentially a 15,000-seater downtown next to a transport hub, and that will connect Auckland's footballing communities. I think that's a terrific concept. Uh, there was talk of that about uh, two decades ago with a, with a waterfront stadium. How valid might that have been now? <laughs> There's a lot of things that could have happened in Auckland 20 years ago that didn't, Smithy, and they need to happen now. 
They do. Uh, the other thing, of course, is player depth, uh, attracting players to make sure that when you hit the ground running, you're hitting ground running with a credible side. That's not an issue. Um, we are establishing a really successful footballing production line, both in Auckland and Wellington. Obviously, that's been funneled into the Wellington football uh, sorry, the Phoenix Academy system at the moment to um, supply their first team. If you look at the all-whites and the football ferns of the wider squads, over half come from Auckland and Hamilton. So if you go and look at the starting eleven against the Socceroos in Brisbane last year, the back line comes from the upper North Island. Ollie Sale, Tim Payne, Michael Box, Orlando Pinnaker all hail from this region. Um, and then if you look wider afield, you can start looking at the likes of Bill Toyoloma, uh, Chris Wood. So, and even Winston Reid, if this had happened earlier, potentially he finishes his career uh, in his native Tamaki Makoto. So that shouldn't be an issue at this stage, although I acknowledge that it was an issue previously for the Knights and the Kings. OK, um, Knights and the Kings, uh, since you mentioned them, uh, what lessons um, have to be learned from uh, those particular franchises having a crack? I think the first is that this can't be entrusted to one single person. It's a, it's a mammoth job. So you can't rely on one person to come up with the funding and to control the team. Um, I think equally, we've now got to a stage where we have a football industry that has matured. So we're not going to face the same issues that the Kings and the Knights had. And that was effectively trying to convert National League players into professional footballers. We are now much better at coaching and educating our young players and getting them in a position where they are ready to convert to professional football. And Smithy, that's not me speculating. That's based on fact. If you look at what the Wellington Phoenix have done with Sam Sutton, Ben Old, Ben Wayne, Ollie Sale, even converting Clayton Lewis and Tim Payne, who were National League players, into professional footballers, there's ample evidence that we can supply the A-League with local footballers. The second point is that it hasn't just been exclusively a supply line into the A-League. Marco Staminich, Joe Bell, Matt Garber, Eli Just, um, and you can say Callum McCower in there as well because he was really rented to the A-League for a limited period. They've gone across to Europe and have been very successful over there. So we are producing footballers of some note at the moment. Coach? I mean, we're two years out, but, uh, you know, I think one of the first things you have to do is appoint someone at the helm um, if it's to go ahead. Is, is this the kind of thing that might reattract someone like a Danny Hay? I think there's a, a natural attraction um, for Danny. Uh, and this obviously, he's from Auckland. He's spent a lot of time playing in Auckland. He's coached both school football and club football, taking Eastern Suburbs to the first National League title in around about 50 years. So I imagine he'll be looking at this one and thinking that's something that I'd like to be involved in. Equally, um, Des Buckingham, for example, uh, he, I think, still has a house in Auckland. So there are a number of different people that could be attracted to this. And then uh, uh, Darren Baisley, um, if he doesn't continue as the All-Whites coach, this provides him with an alternative as well. So again, it's not like we're relying on one particular person um, in the coaching role. There are options out there for us, which speaks to the difference this time compared to last time under the Knights and the Kings. You confident uh, that uh, Jacob, you um, up there, you'll get a, a you know a good buy-in, a, a good take from uh, the football spectators. We know there's a, a huge footballing audience up there, but will they get off their butts and come and attend, um, which has been an issue in the past? Um, to the level that it needs to be? 
I think this is where the off-field needs to change, Smithy, and our discussion around the stadium. So having a stadium in an appropriate location, and importantly for me, and this is why I've referred to a 10,000 or 15,000 seater initially, you need to create an atmosphere which attracts people. What we're effectively talking about is converting the breakers into an outside sport. It can't be putting a team which is brand new into a stadium which is 30, 40,000 because that's not going to create the best atmosphere. It's not going to create the best product which will not only attract and retain fans. And we've got to remember, this is starting from zero. And Danny Townsend has been very adamant. This is not a team that's going to be born of a local club and brought up into the A-League. It's going to be a blank slate. It's going to be a fresh entity and there are challenges that will come with that so you need to create that connection and attraction and that's why a downtown stadium for me is so important because it would be next to a transport hub you'd have the hospitality uh, avenues that lead into the stadium there's retail around it and importantly as i said before it connects those footballing communities the footballing communities in auckland are central eastern and northern obviously we've got some wonderful um, participants out south, but that's where our traditional strong football and communities have been. We need to put a stadium inside that catchment. Interesting uh, getting your thoughts on that, Jacob. Um, um, and just uh, very quickly, just finally, women's team, of course, I suppose, they, they tend to go hand in hand these days. Yes, and that's been um, part, of, part of the discussion. This is not going to be a club that only has one team. The A-League is um, a men's and women's competition. The other point is that I don't think you'd see a split ownership. So it's not like you'd have one ownership for the men's team, one ownership for the women's team. Um, but again, so this is a wonderful opportunity. Um, if you think about our football fans that have um, either had to go direct to Europe or have gone down to Wellington, there are a number of Aucklanders that this will provide an opportunity for. Even if you look at like Taylor O'Brien and Devin Jackson, who just came into the ferns, um, this is potential for them to step up and play professional football. And haven't we seen some wonderful Kiwi footballers take the chance that's been given to them? Yep, particularly on the back of what's about to come up uh, with the uh, Women's World Cup. Hey, Jacob, uh, Jacob, always great talking to you. Um, enjoyed uh, watching you wear your uh, Liverpool shirt on the other day um, on telly. It was <laughs> good on you. <laughs> it it's not looking as good this morning, Smithy. We still need a couple of goals. No. You certainly do. No, no. After about fifty-seven minutes, so and Napoli leading two 0 Those are the uh, Champions League updates. Jacob uh, Spoonley, thank you very much uh, for your time and your views on that. Uh, very interesting. Hope it goes forward. Thank you, Smitty. Exciting times. Yeah, exciting times indeed. Uh, so that was Jacob Spoonley on football. Uh, they were exciting times uh, last night at Kudos Stadium in Sydney. All eyes, all basketball eyes, all sporting eyes, I believe. Tremendous amount of interest in this Breakers team uh, all of a sudden in this country, not just basketball fans. And we know it's the biggest growth sport in the country in terms of um, young men and women uh, and at schools, etc. And it's starting to flow on in terms of uh, crowd sizes, etc. 18 plus thousand last night, full houses uh, as well uh, when they play back here on their home court. And uh, when they're on their home court, uh, we always love to hear Andrew Mulligan's call, of course, basketball commentator extraordinaire. Uh, no one loves it better than Mull. Uh, you'd have lived it last night too, Mull, from a distance. Oh, yeah, it was tough. It was tough going there sometimes there, Smithy, and that at the end. Uh, with a few minutes to go, just was, the dream was over for them. I felt for the team because they'd come so close. They'd come so far, especially like the four guys who 
were in that season last season when they came last. Retrocede us five wins. Will McDowell White, Tom Abercrombie, Rob Lowe, and Sam Timmons on the end of the bench there. The big young centre's got a lot of promise and potential. So um, those guys uh, really have ridden an absolute roller coaster to the very top of it. And uh, they crashed down uh, last night, which is a shame. But yeah, I just, uh, they, they won't feel it. They won't care for it. Uh, any sentiment of like, oh, what a season. You did so well. They won't feel that today, that is for sure. But take heart and take stock and how this franchise has just turned itself around. It's, an, it's so impressive. It is so impressive. Uh, you, you mentioned roller coaster. It was a bit of a mini roller coaster last night. A very strong first quarter, mm. slightly disappointing second that handed that advantage straight back to them. Uh, and then, of course, um, a very even third quarter and then falling off at the end. So uh, did they run out of gas or did they, just the importance and, the, and uh, the pressure get to them? I don't know so much as they ran out of gas or the pressure got to them. I just feel as though that they had the um, the Kings had had their number. Games like that, it's all about adjustments. You take a timeout. You've seen something you don't like about your team, or you've seen something about the team um, that that, that has shifted defensively. Maybe they've run in different sets. So you, you need to adjust, and that's what the Kings did. And the Breakers did that to open the game. That third quarter was pretty good, all things considered, because they're not um, a great third quarter team in the series overall I think they're on average they're off the top of my head like a minus nine they average against the Sydney Kings so coming into that game it really was about withstanding um, the, the the fresh attack that the Kings were going to throw at them after half time um, they got the start they wanted um, Sydney adjusted and um, they closed the game out at home it's pretty it's pretty easy to do, I imagine, closing out in front of 18,000 um, fans when they are sold that Kudos Bank Arena out. Right, let's uh, look um, perhaps over the series and all. Was the dropping of Game 2, having won Game 1, the dropping of Game 2, if you look back on it, was that more the problem than perhaps last night? Yeah, uh, I, think it, I think it was. But then again, like those kind of things, when you lose though, your two best players, you know, that next man up mentality, the breakers have shown that throughout the season. So Sydney were going to show that in that game. And it just meant guys who didn't necessarily, weren't getting the minutes. Like Jordan Hunter wasn't getting any minutes in the semi-final series against the Taipans, Cairns. But then he came on and made a real difference through the middle of this um, championship series. Like that's, that's, hard to, that's hard to scout for when you've lost the two guys you're focusing your defence on. And you've, and you've scouted that they leave, then that's going to be like a real challenge to actually regroup and regather. And I think they got a little bit overawed by the occasion as well. I think no matter what was going to happen in Game 2 with injury, mm. that was also a big thing as well. That Spark Arena crowd, that was the biggest, one of the biggest before Game 4. I think that was part of the reason as well. But I think they'll also rue the missed opportunities in Game 3 in Sydney where they didn't score for almost 12 minutes of game time across the third and fourth quarters. I mean, that was really, um, the wheels were really wobbling and shaking and falling off at that point as well. So for them to come out in game four and um, withstand a comeback from the Kings and then put them away in the fourth, that was pretty cool. And that gave them energy coming into last night's game. Modemo, of course, uh, wanted this very badly was Dan Shamir's understudy then his first season uh, as an ANBL head coach. He's guided them from the wooden spoon to a title shot. Uh, this uh, is a very impressive man. We've got to know him more and more as the season has progressed. The great story I read about him was he was so inspired by the likes of uh, Sir Wayne Shelford, Buck Shelford, 
And now people, uh, if this carries on, have got to be inspired by Modi Mayor. He's going to be the bloke at the front of the room um, talking to conferences, etc., about team building. Oh, he is. You're absolutely right. Talking to corporates, he is an absolute dream to have. Uh, and you're, uh, if you're in the front office, if you're Matt Walsh and the ownership group and Simon Edwards and Lisa Edser and, and, and their team um, who will go out and push the corporates again. No one, Smithy, it's, in, it's incredible. And I don't think much has been made of this, but not one single sponsor dropped away after the COVID years into the season. And that speaks to volume. This speaks volumes about the belief that they have in this organisation, irrespective of what Modi Mao was as, as, as a coach. The engagement he has from his players, um, I haven't seen it. I've never seen it in a Breakers team. Um, not through all the years when they're winning championships. The love that they have for Modi Mao and the way that he dealt with um, the players and brought players in and he was, he was that guy under Dan Shamir where guys would get subbed off and Shamir was a more authoritarian uh, with his players. But Shamir, um, but Moore would be the guy who put his arm around the players who came to the bench, you know, console or cajole no matter what that player needed. He knew exactly how to read that situation. And there was a moment in the press conference last night after the game where Modi Moore was sitting there and I believe he had Matt Walsh to his, uh, to his left and um, he was getting asked questions. And then you could hear in the background Jarrell Brantley poked his head into the press conference uh, and just said, I love that guy. I'm paraphrasing here, but his sentiment was, I love that guy. He's a great coach. We love him. Um, he's, and he apologised. <laughs> he apologised simply more uh, for letting him down. Um, so that just, I mean, you don't, you don't see that from um, players, especially when they've just lost a, a, a series clinching, a title-defining game five like that. It speaks volumes about the type of person Modi Mao was, not just the type of coach he is. On the other hand, uh, we look at Chase Buford himself, a uh, relatively young man, um, I think 34 years of age, uh, Chase Buford. So uh, impressive. He's won back-to-back titles um, and um, he's uh, made of different stuff. He, he goes about it in a different way. But what did you make of Chase, Chase Buford towards the end of the season? I think Chase Buford did an excellent job as Kings coach. I think he is a, uh, he's a very smart coach. He does go about things differently. He... he uh, he demands more of the referees every game. A lot of people will uh, will, will say that he's a bit of a bit of a sook, you know, a bit of a, a crybaby. But um, I don't I don't buy into that at all. It's all part of the game. Um, you know, coaches are always demonstrative and really don't dislike show the dislike for the referees during the game uh, when things aren't going their way. But he coached a hell of a series. Modi Moore um, coached a hell of a series as well. It just came down to. Um, the two best players on the floor stepped up at the right time, Xavier Cooks and Derek Walton Jr. And their role players, they have a tremendous bench. They have guys who would probably start in most teams uh, on their bench, the Sydney Kings. And he picked and chose moments to get them in. His coaching staff behind him, Fleur McIntyre, Kevin Lish and Daniel Kickett, do a great job of handing them little post-it notes, Smithy, during the game of... Um, not inspiring things, but hey, look, so and so's minutes are creeping up here. This is the rotation we do at this point of the game. Like the, everyone's on the same page. And Chase Buford, I don't know how much longer he'll be in this league. Um, he's an American. He's the son of uh, R.C. Buford, who is the CEO of the San Antonio Spurs, a long-time successful executive with those Spurs teams, those dynasties that they had. Um, I expect Chase Buford will probably be in the NBA as an assistant soon. Um, maybe not next next season. Maybe next season. Who knows? 
wonder about, uh, and he hinted at it, Modi Mayor, he already started to talk about next season, um, uh, five minutes after last season. That's the kind of bloke he is. So what about player retention? Um, who are the, the key guys they've got to retain? And uh, if any, they can afford to let go. Um, we need to start a give a little and be the third party payment for Will McDowell White. He's going to have some cash thrown at him, the Australian point guard. 6465. Um, he came to the breakers out of the G League during the COVID years, mid season. Um, really gifted passer, really gifted vision wise of, of the floor. Good defender, but his jump shot um, has improved remarkably. It's now consistent, it's reliable. That opens the floor up. Um, he is number one for many teams on their wish list. I have a feeling that the Breakers will throw everything at him and they should retain him. I think he's got unfinished business here with the Breakers. Um, apart from that, who knows what will happen with the imports, Brantley, Pardon, and Barry Brown Jr. Um, imports come and go in this league. It's a real feature of it. Um, guys come here, they don't get paid as much as they will in Asia or Europe for that matter, let alone the NBA. But they come here, they stake their, uh, their claim, their reputation on this league. Uh, this league has got a very high reputation. Um, it's definitely in the top five. That's not top three leagues in the world now um, in the eyes of NBA uh, scouts and managers and coaches throughout the NBA. So um, those, those reputations, the Breakers have an environment and they have a coach that people want to play for. That gets around. That is a real feature. So, uh, yeah, uh, Tom Abercrombie's off, off contract as well. He, he, Rumour is um, people are thinking maybe he'll retire. I'm, I'm not so sure if he does. Uh, he has certainly deserved it because he's been through thick and thin with his club. So a lot of questions uh, for Matt Walsh to come up with Modi Moore and the answers to those ones. You happy with uh, the five-game format? Uh, would it possibly go to seven in your... I mean, we, we, right now we'd love it with seven, but in, in all honesty, it, would, it, would it sustain uh, if it was a seven-game final? Well, you... It, it would. I think it would. I think the NBL would be the NBA, NBL. Excuse me. Are beyond ecstatic with the way this turned out. Last year was a three-nil drubbing um, over the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Last time we went five was 2018 between Adelaide and Melbourne United. Best of seven. I mean, it could work. It could be Friday, Sunday if it goes seven. Um, feasibly this weekend, like this Wednesday night game was game five. So, absolutely. I mean, it could go nine, Spitty. It's just a matter of, like, venue availability. Uh, and, you know, Xavier Cooks is going to the NBA today to play for the Washington Wizards. That was announced for the championship series. But absolutely, I think sponsors would want it. You just need it to be competitive. And this league is very competitive now. The top four teams are very competitive. Um, the, the top six that they've now introduced a new format, it's proven to be a winner. Um, that change that they made this season um, was the best change that they could make because it, it, it had everybody locked in. You know, there were eight teams in the running in the last in the last round of the regular season. So seven, seven's feasible, Smitty. I can't see why not. Look forward to uh, you putting that forward, Mal, because people listen to you, um, and that's good. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Thanks, Mal. Mal. I know you got to go, so uh, we appreciate uh, your review of uh, last night and the season in general and uh, perhaps even starting to look forward to next year. And We're only three weeks away from the sales NBL, Mull, so you're back in business very shortly. Yeah, yeah I'll, um, I'll have some cure-rolls. I'll get the voice ready and we'll be back into it, Smithy. Always great talking to you, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, cheers. So Andrew Mulligan there, folks, um, off to continue his very uh, busy day with his uh, rap on uh, the basketball season. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seven games.
um, uh, it's five it seemed like a long time because of course it was quite stretched out they played one then they had a break and then they had a break and then they had a break and then all of a sudden it comes to this crescendo um, and it's done it's almost a bit of a, a letdown maybe that's because uh, we didn't win it it's 10.29 here um, we'll be back uh, shortly we've got some news to come forward uh, and keep those texts coming in as well I've got some to read out uh, some very interesting ones thank you for that Right, so let's look at some uh, texts that have uh, come in through the uh, Temper Bedpost text machine, uh, 8833, if you want to contribute. Uh, hey, Smithy, some interesting points raised by Taylor and yourself. Of course, uh, this is Taylor Johnson uh, in the interview about uh, Super Rugby or Picky. To be fair, it's hard tasked uh, to pump up and build interest in a competition. Had three weeks of rugby so far and has uh, just two more to go. A team that is uh, three or four times better than anyone else, uh, of course, uh, in the Chiefs of Manawa, and has no public buy-in. Now, that's an interesting one for me, Paddy. I, I thought there'd be quite a lot of public buy-in uh, on the back of uh, the Women's Rugby World Cup. Haven't seen a lot of it, I have to confess, but I'm not sure about the crowd sizes, um, if they're any better, in fact, than they were last year. One would certainly hope so. Uh, the scary thing is a well-known Facebook page, the legend of Marty Banks, did an anonymous Q&A with a bunch of FPC, Super Air, Rugby and uh, Blackferns taking part, and they all criticised NZR and the comp. A lot of leaving overseas to uh, Super W and WN, uh, NRL in Australia, as well as Japan and Europe. This comp is dead in the water unless New Zealand Rugby throw cash at it. Very strong views there, uh, Paddy, uh, echoed by um, a number of women commentators um, and uh, women journalists, of course, that it's just not substantial enough, Logan. And uh, I think uh, Paddy's raised some very, very good points there. He has one very, very strong point there when he mentions the NRLW. They're expanding now, and then they're expanding again to 10 teams. And when it goes to 10 teams in a couple of years... You better believe that the Warriors are very high on that list of being one of those teams. And we've seen some of our best women's players being already uh, attracted over to the NRLW. Imagine how many more are going to be tempted to sign on the dotted line if the Warriors got involved again. It's going to be an issue that the NZR are going to have to address much sooner than later. Yeah, I agree. They've got to make it. I think I, I like the idea of en encompassing Australia. Uh, Australia, I think, would like the idea of that. But then again, you, you're bringing in your cost factor. Uh, you're bringing in whether it pays or whether you just absorb it um, within the money that you've just been gifted from um, a big organisation overseas in terms of trying to set it up and get it underway. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's the strongest sport, supposedly the strongest sport in the country. Uh, and we see... Uh, competitions with um, the, the Women's Phoenix being in, in, involved there. Uh, you know, and I, I kind of think that that's the kind of blueprint that uh, New Zealand rugby have to bite the bullet on and they have to say, uh, this game needs exposure. International, uh, sure, we're going to have some internationals and uh, I think they'll be pretty well populated, but it's pretty hard for these women when they have to peak and, tr you know, have peaks and troughs because of the absence of hard competition mm. to maintain standards. I mean, you know, Alan Bunting is the new Black Ferns coach. has got nothing to work with, really, 
um, you know, um, because it's a five-week five-week window. So Patty makes some some very good points there as to um, the women. If you're going to do it, do it properly. Um, how about Liam coming in and saying, I was excited when I heard Auckland was getting a football team, but lost interest as soon as I heard they would be based at Mount Smart. It's hard to get to and from. No bars or restaurants around to have a pre- or post-game drink and a meal. Valid point there. You're an Aucklander. Uh, I mean, would you go to a football game, uh, Logan Swinkles, would you take your family to a football game at Mount Smart to watch an A-League game? It is a bit of a... I live in West Auckland. It is a little bit of a trek. It's not too far. Uh, going to Albany is much worse. <laughs> just the idea of that, I just I don't like that at all. Uh, I, I like Spoonley's idea of having this more downtown thing. I know it's, it's a thing that we go back to time and time again, uh, as Auckland sports fans do. Mount Smart, I think, will do for the time being, but I, I kind of feel like that that's just the start and it's got to grow from there. I, w- I would go to maybe a game or two, but the thing that I really like about the Breakers is them being based in Spark Arena now. It's very central. It's very easy to get to, uh, if, especially if you want to take public transport and you just take the train down to Brynemart. It's a very short walk to the arena. It reminds me of a lot of life living in uh, other international cities where they are very well connected and you can do things like that and take public transport, leave your car at home and it's a short walk to the stadium. The fact that we don't have more of that in Auckland is, I mean, frankly, it's quite embarrassing and I love the idea that we are going to get an Auckland team in the A-League. Mount Smart, um, yeah, I just don't know if it's quite the right option. I think you're right. I absolutely think you're right. Uh, and I've been there. Um, getting there is one thing. Getting out is almost impossible if you've got a car park. It's a disadvantage, for goodness sake. Oh, yeah. It's 10.41. It's 10.41. Uh, we're going to have a chat to Louis very shortly. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. We have Louis Herman Watt, of course, uh, at this time. And uh, that's cool because we've got uh, racing just down the road from you, uh, Louis, at Ashburton, or it might even be at Rickerton Park, but uh, certainly it's an Ashburton meeting. Eight races, uh, 12.26 it begins, and I think in race four, Packing Tavi will be breaking maiden ranks today. There you go. That's my contribution. Excuse me, silly? Packing Tavi? Wowee. Okay. Interesting. Um, I can't see why it wouldn't be, to be honest. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I reckon I could get us a bit of a bank to have a bit of a crack at packing Tavi. And this morning I tipped it out at $3. Seems like some other good judges are involved because Sassy Shoes, you know Jimmy Chu very well. Well, Sassy Shoes is into $2.40. Ran blistering sectionals last time out. Uh, was really the run of the race at Rickerton. And um, I think that today it goes one better and it baits breaks maiden ranks here. It's into barrier seven for Jasmine Fawcett. She's riding so well at the moment. So we're all about Sassy's shoes. And how about this for a market move in race three, Smithy? Miss Layla, down the bottom of the book, number 10 in race three, opened at 16, was at $8 by this morning, and it's into $7.50 now from barrier four with Tegan Newman. 
This is Shane Kennedy and Anna Furlong, and this thing has been absolutely backed off the map on debut. So it seems like they might know something that we don't. I reckon still get involved while you're getting $7.50 probably worth a gold coin, mate. So build some bank, and then we can have a go at packing Tavi. And then, Smithy, we can have a go at the Oaks this weekend. It's such a big Saturday of racing. I was just looking at, at Rose Hill as well, I must say. The Ranvit Stakes, time-honoured event, Group 1. The George Ryder Stakes, time-honoured event, Group 1. Oh, there. Yeah, and then after that, the Golden Slipper, the Longines Golden Slipper. So, racing in this country, yes. Racing at Rose Hill, amazing. Yeah, um, you've, you're right. We've got the Rose Hill Guineas as well. Um, Pericles, the Godolphin runner, looks very hard to beat there. Your favourite rider doing the work with the rain, Smithy. Uh, and, and how about in the George Ryder, Levante at $21 and $4. She's up to the mile. She's got the informed Mick D on. I think she has to be over the yeah, I cannot see a world in which Levante is priced golden mile in this race. I really can't. Um, I'm not she's going to be beating Animo. I don't think she will be beating Animo. Artorias was so good last start. And they they might have figured him out a wee bit. But Levante is a huge top three, top four in the race over the mark, getting four eighty top four. I'll be having some of that because I think she might be in previous form. Animo, a buck sixty. Yeah, well, that's what you get for a champion, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you can't really quibble with it. So he, he's just that good. The water draw makes it interesting, but here's the thing: she, he, he loves being on the speed. He can go back. He can settle anywhere nowadays. So J-Mac will just let him amble out of the gate and they'll find somewhere in the running line. As long as he's not trapped three wide the trip, which you never see a James McDonald horse trapped three wide the trip anyway, he'll be fine. I mean, he should be winning, but I really want to see Levante run a big race. Okay, uh, Louis, uh, more on that uh, tomorrow when we catch up. Thanks very much. You have a a terrific day uh, down there in the uh, Garden City. Uh, we'll come back uh, after a short break and uh, just catch up with uh, how we can make some money today. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, coming up 10.56 here on uh, SENZ and a chance to get across uh, to the TAB represented today uh, by Paul Moati and uh, Paul, uh, not to be for the breakers last night. Good turnover though? Uh, there was very, very good turnover uh, and uh, quite a bit of turnover during the game. So even though it's uh, a bit late our time, um, punters were still up uh, betting during the game. And we did take quite a bit of turnover on the breakers to uh, come through and win that uh, uh, series deciding game five. Unfortunately, they couldn't do it. Um, but boy, oh boy, what a what a journey for those guys from last um, to runners up in the space of a season. So plenty of good things to look forward to for breakers and breakers fans. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, just looking forward to next season already, to be fair. Uh, there'll be some serious betting on the sales uh, NBL when it kicks in. But tonight, of course, we've uh, begun another uh, round of the NRL. Uh, and also, what else in the, on the sporting front? Yep, that's right. Uh, what is it? It's the uh, Manly Seagulls up against the uh, Parramatta Eels to start round three of the NRL. Don't forget, we've got the NRL early payout 
on every game in round three. Just place a pre-match head-to-head bet. Uh, and if your team is ahead by eight or more at halftime, we'll pay you out as an early winner. Um, so a chance there for you to get your money back a wee bit early. And, of course, it's Oaks Day on Saturday down here uh, at Trentham. Uh, the favourite at the moment, Sakura Girl, trained by Benfoot, $5. She was second to Prowess in the David and Karen Ellis followed by a dominant win in the Sunline Vars. Uh, the further she goes, the better she seems to get. Uh, all and a half looks ideal for this one. Uh, the best back, though, in the race so far, Val Dezoldo uh, on the third line of betting. seven fifty into $7 now. Uh, was given a wonderful ride by McNabb in the Lowland, where she show, uh, showed some fighting spread over the final furlong, uh, going ding-dong with Contagious. Uh, so Val Dezoldo has seen a wee bit of uh, support and further down the page, this is dramatic. Trained by Lisa Ladder, 31s into 26, has also seen a wee bit of early support in that final field win market. And, of course, Lisa Ladder, she seems to have the golden touch at the moment. She's uh, picked up the Auckland Cup last week and picked up the Thorndon Mile down here at Trentham, uh, what, a few weeks ago. So she's in uh, some very, very, very good form, Lisa Ladder. Cricket test starting tomorrow down your way too. Yeah, exactly. Just jumped up on us, hasn't it, uh, Smitty? Uh, the Black Caps, they're not liked by punters. They're $1.67 favourites to win the second test. The draw's at two fifty-five. Now, we have taken money on the draw, and with the forecast, it looks like there'll be a day or so that might be affected by uh, the rain. Sri Lanka at $9. They've also seen a wee bit of support. I mean, they weren't that far away, to be fair, in that first test. But the best back selection in that head-to-head market for the second test down here at the Basin, the draw at $2.55. If you like the uh, top run scorer markets, the best back in the black caps for the first innings, Devin Conway at $4. Mm. Uh, Kane Williamson, the favourite there at three fifty. Devin Conway on his home track. I like it. Holly, I like it. Cheers, man. Have a terrific day. Thanks for your time. Very good. Thanks, Smithy. Cheers. Uh, Paul Mawadi there from the TAB. Plenty of juicy ads, uh, juicy uh, odds there for you to uh, focus in on. Uh, of course, uh, as we always say, bet responsibly. Don't bet more than uh, you can afford to do. Um, but there's some uh, some good stuff there. I'm looking forward to the league tonight. I'm really liking my league this year. Uh, right, so after the break, what are we going to do? We, we might talk to a couple of leagueies via Stephen McIver, I think. That would be quite cool. Joel and Fletch and McIver. What a uh, a triumphant that is. Uh, we'll catch up with some of the uh, moments from those interviews and in case you missed it. Actually, uh, Logan, you brought up uh, an interesting point to me uh, just uh, in one of the ad breaks we had and you, you were a bit worried about, um, and it's hard to criticise Modi Mayor, but lack of rotation last night. Um, and you, you, you pointed out in particular um, a player like uh, Vadanovic wasn't even used at all. Uh, Rupert, who was one of his hot items um, uh, to be used off the bench, hardly used. Glidden, hardly used. Uh, and swapping Barry Brown Jr. for Rob Lowe when needed. Uh, did you find that a little bit strange, to be honest? Yeah, a little bit, especially when you look at the Sydney Kings uh, and the way Chase Buford used his bench. They used all but one player, and they actually all had a fair amount of time on the court. Um, anyone that did play racked up at least double digits in minutes, whereas the breakers 
Uh, largely stuck to their starting five, as you mentioned, Barry Brown Jr., you know, great sixth man that he is. He comes in. Rob Lowe, he comes in, gives uh, Derek Pardon a break when he needs it. Pardon was incredible in that first quarter, especially, I, I felt. The way that they were setting screens and the way they were moving the ball around with Will McDowell-White, I was like, all right, here we go. We're sitting th- setting things up here quite nicely. And then I just felt like it got a little bit too predictable. And when Barry Brown Jr. was on the court, they reverted more to an iso ball kind of uh, tactic. Rather than spreading the ball around and trying to stretch the floor and create opportunities that way, it was all going through uh, Barry Brown Jr. And it reminded me a lot of the years of supporting the uh, Toronto Raptors where everything ran through Derek uh, Derek Rosen, DeMar DeRozan. And mm. it was just, it, it was flat. People knew what was coming. They knew how to defend it. And there was no flexibility there. And it became such a frustration for the fan base. In the end, the best thing to do was to trade him away. They did that. They opened up the opportunities. And it, look where it got them. It got them a championship. Uh, not saying that that alone, uh, changing the rotation of the breakers, would have got it over uh, the Kings last night. But it is disappointing to see that. Like Ryan Rupert, NBL next star, barely got a mention. He got two minutes. Cam Glidden, mm. another another great Australian, five minutes. Tom Vidanovich is all zeros next to his name. In a game where he's been there, done that just 12 months prior on that court. I just, I don't understand it. I mean, Vidanovich is a hell of a good player. He could bring you a lot of energy in, spe- in that backcourt. Mm. I just, I, I don't get it, Smithy. I don't know why they didn't do it. Uh, I'm sure Modi had his reasons for focusing on the rotation that he did. But that's just how it went. Yeah. Um, well, he's new. He's a new coach as well. I, I, you know, we, we've we've praised him, and so we should. Done a damn fine job with the the franchise this year. But uh, it was his first crack as a head coach, as such. Um, that was the miraculous part of it. But then again, in, in grand finals, just like players, coaches are put under the hammer. Uh, he might have, um, when he reflects on it, done it uh, a wee bit different uh, at some stage uh, when everything cools down and uh, he's had a look at the tapes. So uh, we might ask him about that. Right, uh, let's uh, move on to, uh, in case you missed it, I-C-Y-M-I. Interviews and moments from around SCN and the SENZ network. Um, and three characters as part of the audio you've got first up. Oh, you got to feel for Stephen McIver. <laughs> he's, he comes in here. He is. He's such a good dude. He's such a soldier. He will put the work in. He's here f- four hours before he's meant to be on air. He's just, that's the kind of guy he is. But man, people love to make fun of him, especially Joel and Fletch. I think I've got a fairly good relationship with these two. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable. And uh, Just remember, I'm defending the honour of the show, right? That was the whole premise. Oh, mate, if that's the case, then get on the front foot. Uh-oh. Okay, Brian, time to go over to New Zealand now. Yes. Our great friends. <laughs> yes. We've got the Beaver and our oh, favourite yeah. New Zealand personality, oh, Kirsty. Yes. <laughs> hey, Kirst. Hey, Beave. How are you, Kirst, Beave? Hey, mate. How are we going? Going good, Beave. Yeah, going what's good. happening? Beave, I tell you what, our oh. relationship has just blossomed. Yeah. Uh, we've got a very, very good relationship. I reckon it's blossomed over the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah hi, boys. 
It's a fantastic relationship. Oh, Kirst, Kirst, hold all tickets, protest. Kirst, you sounded funny, didn't you? Kirst must have one in the lozenge. Yeah. Oh, you, you guys are funny. Wow. <laughs> uh, here he is, Maka. Co- comedy, comedy 101. Wow. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, Curse is a bit sick, boys. Okay. Curse is yeah. sick. Yeah. Um, so you got a homeless man in. How yeah. is, uh, how are you, you Maka? Good. Uh, yeah, mate, I'm gone. I'm actually really. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, like I say. Maka. How about Maka, too? Yeah, that's a new one. <laughs> That's a new one. It's Stephen, just by the by. It's Stephen. Didn't stop there, though, did it? No, it sure didn't. Here's the rest of it. Just question. Sorry, sorry. Um, right, you go. Is Jacob producing over there today? He is, the young Tyro. He yeah, is. the young Tyro. So I gave the young Tyro some vouchers to make sure that you had popcorn ready for today. So the whole idea of this, <laughs> you and I are going to just sit back with our popcorn no, no, and no, enjoy no, the no. MacGyver Fletcher ride. Macker and I, we, <laughs> I do remember him now after he said I didn't remember him. I've done a little bit of research. Wow. Uh, yeah, you were coming you. down the pitch to my to my leggies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, you can't you play can't play that game, pal. It's just, that's a sad game you're playing. What, it's my, a very sad game. game. How about you? How about your how about your roosters being beaten up by Penrith? Sorry, the, 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 the bunnies. Beef. The bunnies. The bunnies. How ordinary yeah. were they look against a, a Penrith side that bounced back really, really well? Sorry, mate. I, I, you've just got to be quick for me there. What are we talking about? We talk- <laughs> I, I can't figure out whether you're, you know, I watch, I watch, I watch your, your footy show, and I can't figure out whether you're, you're rabbits or a rooster. Which way do you, where do you swing? Which way do you swing? Or do we not ask that question? No, that's fine, Maka. Um, Maka, did you take any uh, Sudafeds before you came on here today? <laughs> I mean, you I can test one, over. We're not allowed to have that sort of stuff here. <laughs> really? You are really? No, I just can't. You're just talking very quickly. So let's, let's just shall go I back. slow it down for you? Shall I, shall, shall I sort of slow it down for you to talk like a five-year-old so you understand or what? Yeah, that's fine. A- and with that rank pommy accent too that you've got there. <laughs> it's not a no, no, pommy. You know, when you go to speech class, you learn how to speak properly. Yeah. You'd, you'd figure it out, right? Yeah, oh, there's a few trading blows there, Smithy, across the ditch. You've got to love it. And that what, they were, what he was right about is they should have got popcorn for the other two. They really should because that's exactly what it developed into. Uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing there. Uh, I think, and over a, a, a long contest, though, over, you know, and he does do a lot of boxing. Um, Stephen <laughs> McIver, I've seen him at, at the boxing, uh, the training arena. I think it's called the Fight Club or something of that nature where he goes. And he... Um, is training, and I'd back him over a few rounds. Back him over. If he got through the early ones um, against Joel and Fletch, verbally I'm talking about here, not physically, yeah. verbally, um, I, I think I'd back him um, much more experienced broadcaster than those two. I think he'd get them in the end. Yep, and uh, they also, I'm, I'm not going to play it, Smithy. I I've, have sworn... For the rest of this week and for the rest of the year, I will not play a certain incident that happened earlier in the week, but I will tell you that they played it. Did they? They did. Who? Um, over there? Yeah. Don't know oh how they caught wind of it, and it. W- I promise you, it was not me. I was under strict instruction to not share it with anyone, and I did not. I, follow, I followed uh, the guidelines around here. <laughs> But Joel and Fletch wow. caught wind of it, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that might come up at some point. Is all I'm saying. Right. Well, you, as my producer, um, I'll you, go to bat for you. Uh, yeah. No, not only that. I, I want you to just do some 
background information and we'll store up some stuff on those dudes <laughs> right we'll store up some stuff on those dudes at some point just in case you got it you can go um uh, what else have we got lined up get get away from those well rat bags <laughs> something uh, probably a bit more in your wheelhouse smithy baz baz mccullum was on this morning and you know the ashes is not too far away Hey, Baz, we've got, to, you know, obviously listeners coming out of Australia are keen for you to get there. We've got Mark's coming with a question here and he says, how do you think the Poms will do against the Aussies in the Ashes? You, are you allowed to say anything? We'll see. <laughs> he's, he's, there you go, Mark. There you go, you got the answer. <laughs> How's it all tracking, Baz? Like this run that you're having with the, you know, we're talking about it all the time on here and the run that you're having with the English team and... What's it like becoming the father figure of English cricket? <laughs> oh, Kempi, honestly, we're, we're having a great time, mate. Like, when we set out on the campaign when Skipper and I took over um, the, the English, English test side, you know, for us it was about, it wasn't just about trying to play cricket, it was about trying to bring some real relevance to test cricket. And, and you don't want to preach that stuff, but you just want to, you want to live it daily. And for us, you know, there's times where you make decisions which... It may end up in success or it may end up in failure, but you've got to stay true to those beliefs which you set out on your campaign with. And, you know, we, we've got a kind of mantra within our team that that, um, that others may be better than us, but none are going to be braver. And I think that's quite a nice point for us that we're prepared to do things differently to try and win games. And it's not always going to be the case, but I think in the end, the game kind of benefits. And we're, uh, the, the way the guys have played has been... You know, I'm very lucky. I, I get the privilege of being able to have one of the best seats in the house to watch these guys go about their work. And, and they are such talented players. And, and what they've been able to do over the last nine, ten months to the game of cricket worldwide has been pretty inspirational. So, yeah, very fortunate to be in the position I'm in. And, and, uh, and I think we're just getting started. We'll find out. The Ashes is going to be a, a massive series. Um, you know, the, the eyeballs which will be on, on that series oh, and, and the crowds wait. that we get. It's going to be huge, and that's such a great test of where we're at. Are we are we prepared to stay true to to what we've said we're going to do, and under the biggest um, the biggest microscope? And that's the exciting thing from my point of view because it gives us an opportunity. Yeah, I mean you can listen to Baz uh, all you like, and this this theme never changes. Um, you know, changing the nature of Test cricket, changing the relevance of Test cricket. I think um, it's really, um, I wouldn't say stumbled onto it because it would have been planned anyway, but just at the time when Tiss Cricket needed a shot in the arm, people saying it was dead or uh, dying, it was only ever going to be between three or four nations, those that could afford it, um, those that get crowds because of their traditions uh, as opposed to others. Um, you know, he's, he's spot on there. Uh, he's also spot on uh, when it will be um, very heavily watched by um, people around the world the most I mean uh, without India being involved they won't get the massive ratings out of uh, Indian fans that they do billions watch literally when India play um, but when it comes to Australia versus England outside of India it is the biggest it's the one with the most history uh, there's no doubt about it um, I'm not quite sure at the moment where we are able to see it because uh, parts of it I think we'll be able to see on Spark because Spark have the rights to all cricket coming in from England except for uh, World Championship events. So uh, the World Test Championship would be up for grabs as a, a buyable item. I'm mm. not quite sure who's bought that. Uh, but when it comes to rights out of England, at this stage, Spark own those. But then again, um, halfway through the ashes, uh, I think Spark Sport's going to cease to exist. 
So whether that means uh, that will come in on uh, TVNZ if they've taken over those rights or whether Spark will stay on for that purpose, I do not know. Uh, whether they'll turn around and say to Sky, would you like to buy those rights off us or the ability for people to see English cricket coming in? Yeah, that's... And it's interesting point for conversation. Yeah, that's a really good question, Smithy. Uh, I mean, the one thing I'm sort of leaning towards is because with Australia being involved, you know, Fox Cricket will have it, and the relationship that Fox and Sky Sport already have, maybe that comes into play there. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, actually, I, I won't say their name, but I actually had a very interesting conversation with someone uh, from Spark Sport yesterday. And I know they get a lot of criticism. A lot of people say, look, we can't watch it, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're also getting people who are, um, you know, tired of the complaining as well. Apparently the numbers are pretty good. They won't they won't share those numbers because it is commercially sensitive information, but it sounds like they're pretty happy with the numbers that they've been getting from both the Sri Lanka series uh, and also the series when, when England were here. Um, but moving on from that, Smithy, I asked you to do a little bit of homework during one of the ad breaks and for you to think of uh, your player of the week from the most recent Super Rugby Pacific round. Before we get there, this was Carmo's. Carmo, your DHL Chiefs Player of the Week, and then I want your DHL Super Rugby Player of the Week. Yeah, I actually might just go with the same same guy. <laughs> this is now Chiefs Marlowe. For the first two weeks, I'm saying I'm picking another guy from another team, and I'm saying, why? I mean, I might as well just pick my Chiefs guys well, all the time. Be rude not it's to, okay man. to be biased, right? Of course it is. You know, why should I think another guy's going better than my Chiefs? But... Uh, uh, Sammy Sony Takihawala was my Chiefs player of the day because the reason I, I chose him, I challenged him, well, just on air, kind of challenged him that I know he's the world's best player 10 metres out from the goal line. He's mm. just absolutely brilliant. But I really wanted to lift his work rate the other 90 metres of the field, and he has absolutely done that. He has been everywhere, and he has automatic go-forward ball. Uh, he looked in the weekend every time the Chiefs were stagnant for a little bit or going backwards, gave the balls to Sam Sony, and he attracted players, firstly, and then just that leg drive and that strength, he got them moving. So every time uh, things aren't happening for the Chiefs, he can make things happen. So that is why he is my... Uh, Chiefs part of the week, and I thought, well, bugger it. Uh, I'm just going to always go my, my Chiefs part of the week. It's going to be my my Super Rugby part yeah. of the week. So that was uh, Ian Jones on Chiefs Mana, picking Samasoni Takiaho as his player of the week, both uh, in the Chiefs and just general in the competition, Smithy. Who is yours? Well, uh, yeah, you asked me that, and I went through the New Zealand franchises as such, and uh, no one from the Highlanders at the moment, I'm afraid. Um, you know, um, they're trucking away, but um, they're not making too many headlines and going too well at the moment. Um, I, I don't really um, think that, you know, I, I, collectively you could uh, give it to um, a, a group of players out of Fiji and Drua, couldn't you, to be honest, um, with that performance that they had there, with their spirit, their drive, etc. Um, Hurricanes uh, went down to the Blues and... Um, Thought about uh, one or two of the Blues players, but I, I'm going to the Chiefs as well. I'm going to the Chiefs. I'm going to a bloke that uh, is getting a lot of headlines at the moment, um, and he is uh, playing in a position where it's quite congested in terms of the All Blacks. He's not an All Black, but he's playing in a position where it's congested, pretty hard to break in, um, but he's doing his best. And with the absence of Will Jordan at this point, I think Sean Stevenson uh, perhaps has made the, uh, one of the best starts to the season of anybody in Super Rugby. So Sean Stevenson would be my man. 
Yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good shout. And like you say, it's going to be a very congested uh, back three there. A lot of decisions to be made uh, by Fozzie later in the year. Of course, that's not the only uh, Super Rugby show we have, Smithy. We have one for all the uh, New Zealand-based franchises, including Moana Pacifica. But I want to talk. I want to focus on the Reds. But I mean, not the Reds. Sorry, the Crusaders. Their show is in the red with Justin Marshall. We've been focusing them on focusing on them a lot this week after that loss to the Fijian Drua. So, who does Justin Marshall think was his Player of the Week, at least on the Crusaders? Well, look, I, I certainly feel that given and and, I, and this guts me as well to. To mention this in the same breath, um, and, and look, the, you know, McAllister double try score. It's easy to sort of go towards that and say, but but my mindset is the backline struggled a bit. Um, and, and when I say this guts me, people are going, well, where, where are you going with this? Well, where I'm going is Scott Barrett in his hundreds. I thought did absolutely everything he could on the on, on the evening, and I'm I'm gutted because. I know as a former Crusader, when somebody's achieving a milestone like that, we like to put him um, first and make sure that the team reinforces that they care by producing a win on, on, on a really significant milestone like that. I thought that his individual performance typified the type of guy he is, the, the performance of a 100-capped uh, Crusader, uh, epitomised the way he played, but but to a degree, the rest of the team let him down because they didn't get the job done, um, and and that sucks, and and that's not the way it should be. Not not for a guy that's done so much in the game and gives so much each and every week, and he's your captain as well. So I felt for him, but equally, I still have to give him my, my crusader of the round because I thought that he 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 like every week he just gave everything that he's got. Certainly does. Leaves uh, nothing out uh, on the, the track, uh, does he? Um, and, and I think a very worthy recipient of that as well in a team that was uh, battling um, somewhat in the heat, I think, um, and uh, somewhat with uh, just the intensity. And, of course, uh, they tried some new players, some new combinations, and it didn't work. So uh, it will be interesting to see uh, how they turn this around with all the injuries they've got, the Crusaders, and they have got quite a few key players out uh, looking to get to uh, Eden Park and repeat what they did uh, last year in the grand final. Not sure about that game. It's uh, one to be absolutely scrutinised and we'll be looking at that perhaps tomorrow. If not, we'll certainly be reviewing it big time on Monday morning. It's 11.21 here on SENZ. Take a short break and then we'll come back to the sports desk as well. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Right, as we head to the sports desk, I'll just confirm those football matches this morning. Uh, Brighton in the EPL beating Crystal Palace 1-0. Brentford beating Southampton, whose woes continue. Uh, Brentford winning at Southampton 2-0. In the Champions League, uh, all eyes were on Liverpool and uh, Real Madrid this morning. Well, Real Madrid ended up winning that match 1-0, so Liverpool gone. Um, and uh, don't be surprised if uh, Napoli go the whole way this year. They're a very good side, Napoli. Streets ahead in the Serie A competition, and they beat uh, Frankfurt 3-0 this morning with ease. So they are your football results of interest this morning as we head across the Logan Swinkles. And it's all about player signings and player movement. 
today, Smithy. First of all, we'll, st- we'll stay in New Zealand. We'll stay with New Zealand rugby because David Havili has re-signed with both New Zealand Rugby and the Crusaders through until the end of 2025. The Nelson-born utility wants to build on the success he has had in the international arena and Super Rugby Pacific and, of course, the NPC. His impressive resume includes 25 tests for the All Blacks, six consecutive Super Rugby titles with the Crusaders and a pair of NPC titles he won as captain of the Tasman Marco. So... Great news there, but it's not the only one to come through uh, in the last half an hour from New Zealand Rugby because Tyrell Lomax has also extended his contract with New Zealand Rugby and the Hurricanes through until the end of 2026. His extension will see the 26-year-old continue to be aligned with the Hurricanes and the Tasman Marco in the NPC. Uh, very excited about that. The 23-test tighthead prop was one of the All Blacks' top performers in 2022 and has proudly represented the Māori All Blacks on eight occasions. So some really good news to come out of New Zealand rugby today there, Smithy. It's very good. Uh, two key players, yes, since Lomax was... Uh, uh, one of the players that made a lot of ground last year in terms of that front row. Um, so, yeah, Tyrell Lomax, uh, under the auspices, I think, of Jason Ryan too, uh, he has come on leaps and bounds as uh, a prop. And, and of course, uh, yeah, David Harvey, uh, such a, a prized utility player, uh, can play anywhere uh, in the back line, basically, and a multi-skilled player. So good to know that New Zealand rugby is uh, holding, on to, uh, holding on to him as well. And... Uh, whether or not they have been influenced by who they think might be the all-black coach uh, coming in, we don't know. But um, <laughs> that, of course, is, what, about uh, three or four weeks away now. It's uh, closing in on D-Day. What else has been happening on the sports desk? Well, the NFL is heading into free agency frenzy, Smithy, and the Dallas Cowboys have released running back Ezekiel Elliott. He's had a couple of rough uh, seasons dealing with injury there, so he hasn't quite been up to his best. He's been released. But the big question mark has been around the future of Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to stay and play again with the Packers? Is he going to go somewhere else or is he going to retire? Of course, he went on his little re- dark retreat just to sort of be by himself and think things through. He has revealed since then and this morning on the Pat McAfee show that he intends to sign with the New York Jets. At this point, as I sit here, you know, I think since Friday, uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Okay. Um, and I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's been compensation that the Packers are trying to get uh, for me and kind of digging their heels in. So I would just uh, <laughs> I think it is interesting at this point to step back and look at the whole picture. Um, you know, my side, love and appreciation, gratitude for everything that Green Bay has done for me. Love, so much love and gratitude and just heart open for the Packer fans and what it meant to be their quarterback. And also the reality of the situation, you know, like it is what it is. The Packers would like to move on. They've let me know that in so many words. They've let other people know that in direct words. Um, And because I still have that fire and I I, want to play and I would like to play in New York, uh, it's just a matter of, um, you know, getting that done at this point. Okay, people in New York are doing this right now. Yeah. People, people in New York are pumped right now. So the outer statesman of the NFL is sticking around. Uh, another year of Aaron Rodgers, but in a different green jersey, Smithy. He's going to swap the pack of green for the New York Jets. Okay. Uh, well, that's very interesting information because this has been on the cards for not just this year, 
Um, I think he was played pretty unhappy last year. I'm not quite sure that uh, they were happy with him and he was happy with them. Um, the fans, I think, will um, be quite disappointed. Aaron Rodgers, terrific quarterback, really is. And as you say, uh, without Brady, he is uh, the grandfather or the godfather of quarterbacks left in the competition. So uh, the Jets, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a franchise. I think it's a franchise where he's going to make a lot of money. But I'm not quite sure he's going to be holding the Vince Lombardi trophy with the Jets at this point. No, probably not. He probably just wants to extend his career a little bit longer. He goes from a very, a very small market there in Green Bay, Wisconsin, the only uh, team that is owned by the fans. Of course, there's that rule now that that can't happen anymore, but it was grandfathered in so that it would remain with the Packers because it's, it's a tradition. But going to the New York Jets, that is a massive sporting market there, Smithy. I know there's a lot of eyes on him, a lot of pressure on him at all times, but I do wonder if it might intensify a little bit more. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, as you say, big marketing. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll be already printing the, the, the new shirts uh, with Rogers on the back of it, and they'll be selling like hotcakes. And uh, for those long-suffering Jets fans, uh, they might have uh, some belief in that big market as well. So anything uh, anything else from the sports next, or shall we proceed? I just want to end it with, uh, we played a little bit before, with the Modi Mayor presser. Just, just some good vibes to remember the breakers in the NBL 23 season. And that was his first step. And then That's a good coach right there, man. <laughs> Thank That's you. a special coach right there, man. Thank you, JB. If anybody recruit, if he recruits you, he's special, man. That's a special coach. One of a kind. Thank I you. I love you, Mo. Good job, man. I'm sorry. I love you, man. I love, I love you, you too, JB. I love you, JB. So. Jarrell <laughs> Brantley, spreading the love, Smithy. Got a lot, lot of love for Modi Mayor here. Yeah, and that was Matt Walsh, too, uh, alongside him, um, the owner. I think he had his daughter on his lap as well. I saw uh, pictures of that. So quite an emotional um, uh, press conference there. So, yep, uh, Modi, you're our man. And let's hope, uh, as you say, and uh, as Gerald Brantley quite rightly pointed out, if Modi wants you, you're a lucky guy. It is uh, 11.33, slightly late, but uh, some really good stuff coming out of the sports desk there, which we thought you would enjoy. Here's uh, Aroha with the news. Uh, I should say too, yes, I should really, uh, 0800 150811, 0800 150811 um, here on SENZ. It's time to stump Smithy, slightly late, but you're playing for a hundy, a hundy today. So uh, get on the phone and uh, Logan uh, will pe- uh, perhaps answering the calls and he'll be asking the questions, multitasking today. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. $100 TAB bonus bet voucher. That is what is up for grabs today. As Smithy said, a bit of multitasking, so bear with me. I'm looking after the desk and the phones all at once. Smithy, first contestant, we're going to Foxton, and it's Chris coming, mate. Hey, g'day, mate. How you doing? All right. Hey, Smithy. Yeah, good. The home of uh, Chris, Chris Waller, and Foxton Fizz. How cool is that? <laughs> That's us, yeah. How are the horses treating you? Uh, did all right. Picked the Auckland Cup winner, um, Lisa Ladders. Wow. Followed her, so she's done really well. Yeah. I think he ran third in it about three or four years ago. Yeah. Pl- yeah, pl- Platinum Invader. If you've got a bit of Platinum that, you've got plenty Vader. then. Yeah, yeah absolutely, Chris. 
Well done on that. Okay, uh, right, let's get to the important stuff. It's 100 bucks up for grabs uh, today, which you can add to uh, your, obviously, your uh, burgeoning TAB account with that uh, particular bet. So, um, Logan, Logan, what are the um, what are the subjects today for Chris? All right, this is what you can choose from today, Chris. Basketball, golf, and rugby. Okay, rugby, uh, please. All right, good luck. Shout out to uh, Brian, who is working from home today, by the way. Still doing the questions, still doing all the podcasts while he's looking after his boy during the teacher strike. First question for you, Chris. Wyatt Crockett owns the record for most appearances in Super Rugby history with 202. Can you name the former All Blacks and seven star in second place on that list? Uh, Brian Crockett. Okay. Um, I'll go uh, metallic. metallic. One of the worst things I have ever seen <laughs> done on a cricket field. No, okay. not not the guzzler, not Brody Retallick. Smithy, over to you. So that you said that um, it's the most super games and former All Black and Sevens star, yeah? In second place on that list, yep. In second God, no, I can't. I can't. Seven star. Seven star. Uh, Cully was a seven star. But Cully wouldn't have played that many super games. Oh, God. Seven star. Seven star. Nah, it's not helping me at all. Um, oh, seven star. No, uh, uh, time's up. One of the worst things... I have ever seen done on a cricket field. All right, time's up there, Smithy. The correct answer that I was looking for, with 182 games to his name, Liam Messam. Oh, Liam Messam. You said, had said boxing, I'd have got it in a flash. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. All right, second question for you, Chris. Who has scored the most points in Super Rugby Opeki this season? Oh, that's the woman's game, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I don't know, mate. I, I can't even think. Um, no, I can't think. Oh, hang on. I guess. Let's see. We'll go. Uh, no, I, I can't think of one. All right. All right. I'm just going to send it straight to the keeper. You've left the ball there. It's gone to his gloves. He might be just outside. Outside of his crease, Smithy, is there a stumping here? Well, I'm not sure. Um, players that come to mind, um, uh, try scorers, because there's been 407 points. I did some research on this, so I may or might not, not get this because uh, we talked to Taylor this morning and I, I looked at point scorers, and um, uh, I think it could be um, it could it, from Mat- the Matatu, Matatu, Rene Holmes. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, wow. and away yeah. it goes. Oh, see what, what the power of research there, Smithy. Outstanding. Yeah, I w- it was interesting actually. I, I was thinking of try scorers and that, um, but yeah, Renee Holmes. It, it struck me because I, I didn't think it would come from Mata Two. If you knew what I, I know what I'm saying, I thought it would just yep. be uh, from. I thought it would be from uh, Chiefs Manawa, to be fair, but um, or one of the uh, other franchises, but. Mata 2 uh, having a pretty good damn season, uh, uh, the second one. 
Yep, I, I get where you're coming from there, Smithy, in your line of thinking, but we will go to Brad next to the crease from Dunedin. Come in, mate. How are we, team? Pretty good, Brad. We're pretty damn good, actually. So, um, yeah, I've been... Um I've got, I've got one there that uh, just because we were lucky that uh, we were covering uh, uh, Super Rugby Old Picky this morning. I'm not quite sure what question three is. Uh, so let's go, Logan, for a $100. $100 TAB bonus bet. Up for grabs here. Brad, how many points did the French score in their Six Nations demolition of England? Oh. They pumped them, didn't they? Um, they did. And um, look, I'm just going to put the pressure on you. I know Smithy knows the answer to this. <laughs> um, oh, when did I see that? 50, 50, 50, 50. Is it 53? Hand on your heart. Did you Google that? <laughs> no, I did not. I saw it earlier this morning. <laughs> Just a couple of chips down the wicket, no. right in the slot, and away it goes. No. He had his gloves so ready. <laughs> he was so ready. <laughs> oh, 53-10. 53-10. I'll never forget it. Oh, well done, Brad. Absolutely well done. You nailed it, and you got a handy um, because of Thank that. So much. congratulations on getting through. Uh, we'll take a short uh, ad break so uh, Logan can confirm that we've got uh, everything hunky-dory to get that money to you. Well done, mate. Uh, enjoy it. What about the Highlanders uh, turning it round, you reckon? Uh, there's always next year, Smithy. <laughs> always next year. Written off this year already. OK, Brad, enjoy the hunty. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks. It's, uh, as I say, coming up to 11.43 here on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Thanks very much for your text. Uh, so there's uh, plenty for me to read out uh, in the next few minutes. And uh, here's one of coincidence uh, that you might be interested in too, Logan. I have an Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers jersey, which will now be worthless next season. As he is basically off to the Jets. Uh, Mark, I think I'll hold on to that Aaron Rodgers uh, Green Bay Packers jersey because he'll always be, regardless of what happens at the Jets, uh, he'll always be regarded as the Green Bay Packers quarterback. So, yeah, interesting what we were just talking about, Aaron Rodgers, uh, and you've come in with that, uh, and you came in with that before we did that. Right, uh, Jeremy says, gutted for the breakers, quite a series after each uh, dropping a home game and then going on to the decider, bring on next year. Memorabilia, you've got a McCaw signed All Blacks jersey. You're Jeremy, you're a lucky man. You've also got a 95 a Rugby World Cup Coke can with the final result, the teams, etc. Ah, cool. They're two really, really impressive items. Uh, Jared, uh, love the breakers. Sure, they let one slip, but pure guts, and that's all you want from your team. Going to follow the Otago Nuggets now, loving my basketball these days. Can you buy merchandise, fellas? Uh, Jared, well, we'll do some uh, homework on that. I'm, I imagine you can get some uh, uh, Otago Nuggets uh, merchandise. I would imagine Hutchie's got all, all of that stuff uh, up and running without doubt. Uh, Nigel, I have got your, your Smithy, your one-day international World Cup shirt that I purchased at an auction at Eden Park World Cup held in New Zealand. Beautiful shirts they were, really comfortable to play in, uh, great fabric. Uh, and they said those uh, the colours at the top of the shoulders there from uh, memory uh, one of my favourite uniforms, actually, because uh, we nearly won it. Uh, so, Nigel, good on you. Um, I, I'm not sure how much you paid for it. 
Um, but it means a lot. Uh, the memory of that tournament means a lot to a lot of New Zealanders, and I think that's a uh, it's a it's a pretty cool item that you've uh, managed to get hold of there. Uh, well done. Jealous, actually. I don't think I've got one. Um, Liam says, I was excited when I heard... Um, oh, no, this is the... Yeah, Liam came in earlier and he didn't want to go to Mount Smart. So um, that was interesting. Um, Rich has come in and said, regarding this, this football stadium for the soccer, um, what about um, Eden Park uh, number two ground? I'd love to see it developed into a ten to 15,000 seater for football, NPC, or picky, smaller super rugby, etc. Movable stands, which could uh, include cricket. The only barrier, as you're dead right, uh, Rich, is cost. That is a massive factor. Point two is not quite sure uh, with the houses around, etc., that they could develop it to the extent that you're thinking of, a ten to 15,000. They've got the back of the uh, other stand, which um, they probably would have to rearrange completely, the one that uh, that's the west stand that uh, looks straight at uh, Eden Park number one. Uh, there is a limited seating there. Uh, they would have to redevelop there. Um, uh, at, at the ends, of course, um, it's pretty narrow at the ends. They've got uh, the old cricket society at one end and those uh, those houses owned at the other end, I think, which would make it a bit prohibitive. So I would imagine they've looked at that over the years, looked at that over the years. Uh, Louis says, um, uh, well, my old mate Louis, eh? Uh, memorabilia. I think Louis just got engaged, actually. Good on you, Louis. Bad news, Kate. Uh, Brian Lara gave me his bat while batting against New Zealand at Napier when I was 10, but most prized possession, my first ever Warriors jersey. Go the Wazers. Go the Wazers. Good on you, Louis. Thanks for, uh, very much for texting and hope you're good, mate. Uh, Otago versus uh, Auckland Plunkett Shield game. Auckland used nine bowlers, including wicketkeeper Ben Horn uh, yesterday, who bowled one over and got a wicket. How did that happen? Um, whether they had uh, just uh, given up on the game. Don't know quite the match situation. I tried to Google, but I couldn't get through the New Zealand cricket website. Sometimes you, you feed runs, so you bowl non-recognised bowlers and they just chuck it up in the air. Um, otherwise, uh, you get to a stage where the game's going nowhere and uh, everyone says, can I have a bowl to the captain? And sometimes he obliges and sometimes he doesn't. Uh, and just finally, um, this is one that um, cuts to the quick a wee bit, but it's um, very, very well worth considering. Boys, can you just call a spade a spade? Superwoman's rugby makes no money. A Farah Palmer Cup makes no money. You can't just throw money continuously at something. That's not how a business works. NZR is not a charity. Why can't anyone work that out? The NRL clubs have mandatory business ownership outside of uh, the rugby, i.e. in the rules. They must own real estate, businesses, bars, restaurants, things that can subsidise their spend on clubs. That's how they have the money to pay for the WNRL comp. Last time I checked, the Blues, Crusaders, Canes, etc. didn't own large amounts of real estate or businesses that generated money outside of rugby. It's not a question of desire to get Superwoman's rugby larger. It's a question of economics. It's a simple issue that is being made very, very complex. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I'm pretty sure a lot of people would support those views. 11.53.